Hey, you're listening to Head Over Heels, a podcast where we have real, honest, and unfiltered conversations about life and everything else in between. I'm your host, Maggie, and today's guest is someone very, very important and influential. He is a man whose priority is about building our nation, Malaysia. He is a member of Parliament for MUA, and he is also the president of the Malaysian United Democratic Alliance, also known as MUDA. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are about to get Head Over Heels for the one and only YB Syed Sadiq. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode and I feel like there's just so much tension and pressure today because I'm very, very nervous. Um, we have YB Sadiq here, but I know I just call you Sadiq, right? Yep. Thank you very much, Maggie. If you are nervous, that makes both of us. Are you sure? Yeah. I've You're been so following used to you this. for a while. Hey, I also no, no, follow no. you longer. But you not, know? Not, the, not this particular topic and uh, <laughs> it's a lot more relaxed and also with Maggie. Oh my God. Yeah. Can I tell you something, Sadiq? The day you followed me back, ah, yeah, wow, it was I, a while back, right? I dropped my phone. No, I was like, Ayyoh. what the hell? <laughs> I need to watch what I post now. What the heck? But yeah, it was. It it's an yeah. honor, honestly. No, the honor is mine. I uh, think then you were very passionate about uh, animal welfare activism as well. I yes, think it was a yes. particular issue which you tagged me on, and then was it? Yeah, I, I did tag you, but uh, yeah, yeah, then you re- you, you replied. To and you, yeah. how do you yeah. reply to every DM? No, I think at that point, that issue was like one of the biggest issues. Yes, at were, the time. And many people, and I'm also an animal lover. Yes, we can tell. there's cats and dogs. So, immediately I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Brought, brought, brought the question up in parliament. Yes. Sent a message to the minister and one thing led to another. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, the power of social animal media, Animal lovers right? unite. I know. I can tell. I mean, your socks right now got a picture oh. of a cat. I can tell. Yeah, this is a nerdy cat, which <laughs> reflects me, hopefully. In another world, I'm a cat I'm and I'm, I'm also a nerdy cat. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> okay. Before we start, right, there is a very important question I need to ask. Sure. And um, the amount of people who wants to know is just unreal because I posted up a question poll on my IG stories yesterday. Yeah. You didn't see it, right? Oh, I didn't. Oh, thank you God. Tag me so no, I no, no. I, I purposely don't want to tag you because I don't oh, okay. want you to see it. <laughs> but on behalf of all curious Malaysians, yeah. are you single? Are you looking? And what's your type? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, when I thought just now you asked me what questions you couldn't ask, I thought it was like, you know, hyper-political <laughs> and it's about my dating life. <laughs> That's no. tougher to answer than politics, to keep it very Don't simple. Don't be political with yeah, me. Yeah, of course, okay. to, to keep it very simple, uh, mm. I'm not looking Ayah. and I'll keep it at that. Ayah. Single or not, I'll keep it at that. Because one thing which I've learned in my field of work, yeah. uh, sharing too much right. about my personal life, Becomes Only, a headline. Yeah, correct. And, and you know how many headlines about your, your relationship status? That's right? why I'm quite worried. So, you know, once <laughs> I give a whole interview about yeah. the need for Malaysia to have our very first political funding act. Uh-huh. And then the final question after like one hour and a half <laughs> of the interview was, when do you plan to get married? <laughs> so obviously I gave a very chill answer. answer. And the headline of the article was yes, about I that. Saw. So I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> oh, Syed Sadiq says we'll be married before PRU 16. Yeah. I was like, oh God. that is a headline. And that was a joke. You know, when... It, it was a joke, it, is it? Yeah, so <laughs> it, was, it was this very senior, senior MP, former minister who asked me the question. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll get married before elections. And then I laughed and I said, but we don't know which elections. Oh my God. And then everyone in the media said, oh, I'm going to get married like before next elections. And my mom, can you imagine my mom called me, who's the lady? Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Obviously, you'll be the respectful thing as a son is to tell my mom first yeah. and everyone's like how could how could like this random guy know first yeah, then before mama. my family yeah. yeah, before my mom my mama 
I saw like, your mom is so sweet. Yeah, yeah, She's my mom so nice. is an amazing iron lady, so. Uh, and she just wants yeah. a daughter in law, you know? So it's okay, we'll wait, we'll wait. Okay, uh, we'll wait, we'll okay. wait. Okay, I hope you guys got your answers. <laughs> okay, he's not looking. But until then, <laughs> all right. Uh, I have to say though, like um, when I first got an email from your team that yep. you would love to come on the show, I was extremely honored. Very kind of you. But I was also very nervous. So can I ask you why you want to come on my show? <laughs> <laughs> One, I've been I've actually been, as you know, been following you for a while. Yeah. Um, and you're very relaxed yet inspiring. So you get the message out about women empowerment without needing to hard sell. Mm. Uh, I think for the viewers who are listening, before we went live, I was having this discussion, how can you sustain a podcast, passion, idealism, while at the same time monetizing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way, if there's one word I, I can summarize, is authenticity. Oh, thank uh, you. can sense it's from the heart, it's something which you love to do. Mm. And uh, talking about something which is uh, not hyper-political and quite relaxed. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think the, the nerves for me was because I feel like I'm not very politically aware compared yeah. to many others. Like many other Malaysians. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, which was why I felt like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not worthy to even have oh. you on. You were really one of the guests that I wanted yeah. to have on before the, the last election. Oh, okay. But I felt like I'm not good <laughs> enough to be reached- asking the question. No, I mean, I... Trust me, if you had just asked immediately, it's like, okay, when? Oh. Yeah, I'm quite <laughs> relaxed. Do not worry. Okay, yeah. but you came anyway, so thank yeah. you. So I think before we get into the harder questions, I think yeah. for anyone who come on my show, I don't know if you listen to my show, yeah. but there is this question I always ask. And a lot of who we are today, it's yeah. our childhood. Correct. So yeah. politics aside, I want yeah. to get to know you, Sadiq. Yeah. So what was your childhood like? Like what, what was growing up for you? Like with yeah. your mom, with your parents, with your siblings? Yeah, yeah I would love to know. Uh, to be honest, I'm quite privileged to have two amazing parents who until today, mm. my strongest support system. Um, I mean, not, I don't come from a wealthy fam- family. I come from a lower middle income family. My mom dedicated her life as a public servant, as a teacher. Uh, my father was a blue collar worker who commutes every day from Joe to Singapore. Uh, but they never had a deficit in sharing love to me and my family, especially when I was a delinquent. So if you had met me when I was a kid, I think you would have hated me. Why? Because, uh, and I I have to share this because just to show that uh, everyone have their own dark days. Yes. Uh, not to say I'm perfect now, but <laughs> then uh, You're perfect was, to many people. <laughs> no, no, then was very different. I mean, uh, which is also why um, I love what you are doing, which is about women empowerment. But then, mm. my worldview was very different. Um, I thought that women were weak and incapable. And when I say this, I have to say disclaimer, this was me uh, in the darker days. Yes. To a point where my sister is well-educated. Now I think she's pursuing a PhD. She's a lecturer. Then I was like, hey, why you want to do all of this in the end? You're going to get yeah. married anyway. Yeah, mar- mm. Yes, exactly. And this was the dark old days, right? Um, I mean, then I was lazy, incompetent, but worst, very insular, you know, like mm. it's just my worldview. I was living in that bubble. Um, I don't blame it on my parents, my, my, which is weird. My mom is an iron lady. My mom is the main yeah. breadwinner of the family. Yeah. There are days where my dad lost his job. You know, work in Singapore is not that easy. And my mom will be the main breadwinner. Uh, but my views were weirdly very different. 
However, I think because of my mom and slowly after that, when I went uh, to uh, boarding school, but it was a very unique boarding school. It's called the Royal Military College. Military a, school. So it's a military college. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and while it is a military college and a boarding school, it is the most diverse boarding school in Malaysia. So that's when it opened up my worldview. I mean, um, my my best friend, uh, Chong Ok Soon, uh, Daryl Ijawi taught me at maths when I was super bad and I realized, hey, we're about the same. We get bullied together. You know, we <laughs> cry together. We shed tears of happiness together. Then I realized, hey, actually my worldview has been wrong, including mm. on issues of race and religion. Mm. And then weirdly, despite it being a boarding school with all men, I mean boys, we're not men, boys, but it also made me... I mean, uh, um, at least a lot more open when it comes to equality among gender, right? Um, Also because diversity uh, in race and religion also ties back to all forms of diversity. So I think that really opens up my worldview to to a great extent. So when people ask me what are the two biggest life-changing decisions, one is entering the military college. Mm -hmm. Second is to join debating and public speaking. So that was my childhood in high school uh, was when I first joined. Yeah. I was never a good English speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, worse, my general knowledge was horrendous. I mean, I thought Africa was a country, Egypt was a continent. It's flipped. Yeah. Um, my English, you know, the word recipe, I always say recip, recip. I call it my English. <laughs> it was really bad. I'm sorry. And uh, No, it's true, it's true. Uh, and I remember when I joined the English debate club, it wasn't because, you know, I wanted to be a good debater. Yeah. It was because when I was in military college, often the bullying happens at night after prep classes. Oh my so God. So at 10 p.m. onwards. Okay. So I thought, mm, me being me, the cheeky, the linko and I am, I thought, mm, there's a way around it. I joined debate class, I'll just sit at the back, sleep, and I won't get bullied. So the senior, But the senior is smarter, they bully oh. you in the morning. Ah, <laughs> it's a different shift, you know. But then, one of my seniors, even though I was like hopeless then, said, mm. the fact that I decided to be in class showed that I cared and slowly guided me and that's why I started to fall in love with reading books, yeah. articles, equipping myself with with um, with a lot more knowledge of the world and yeah. one thing led to another. Wow. Um, so I think that was the transitionary period. So yeah. in a way, my parents played a very important role in shaping me who I am today, the school which I went to, my yeah. upbringing, uh, and also my passion, which is debating and public speaking. Yeah. And of course, your own interest and initiative to take this on, you could have just stayed within your bubble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you could have. But I didn't expect that from mm. you, actually. I think that's something very new and refreshing to hear. I still think I'm quite privileged in that sense because when I got into the college, mm-hmm. it was a truly diverse, multiracial college. And that Where really changed. School? It's in Camp uh, Tentera Sungai Besi. So military school, do you it's have to wake port- up at 5 a.m.? Oh, and of course. Yeah. Oh my I mean, God. Uh, of course. So it's actually same same academic curriculum during school hours. Okay. But then after like 2 p.m., you belong to the military. Weekends, Whoa. you belong to the military. No, no. While I say this, it's actually a damn good school. Like uh, in yeah. terms of academic rankings, la. it's an elite school. And um, and to me, that also shapes my identity as to what kind of education I want to see for Malaysia, which is truly diverse, mm. multiracial, multireligious. The more trilingual you get, the better, the, yeah. the, the better it is. Yeah. And it must start at a very young age. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, education starts from home, right? At the end of the right. day. Yeah. Um, what about your relationship with your mom? You said that she was mm. a teacher. Teacher, yeah. Yeah. She's a very fierce and she, teacher. I saw her video in your Pau video. Oh. I mean, <laughs> you were yeah. giving her a charama and she's so patient. 
Shout out to auntie. I love her. <laughs> she is, she is. Uh, I remember when, when I was a kid, I was very jealous. Why? Because um, my mom's children, and to her, all her students are, are her children. Oh. <laughs> so obviously me being the youngest yeah. uh, in the family, I'm like, no, I'm the youngest. I should get all the attention, you know? Yeah. Uh, and everyone's calling her Umi. Which is Umi like means mama, mama. Yeah. Okay. mama, yeah. So and call you call her Umi. Umi as well. I call her Mama. Okay. I don't call her Umi. Umi. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not my mom's son. You're not my mom's <laughs> daughter. Who are you to call my mom that? Yeah, but uh, but she, I mean, she's an amazing lady. One vivid memory which I'll never forget, which also shapes me who I am today. I mean, we don't come from a well family, low middle class, but my mom, in whatever capacity she has, mm. would want to help others, even though no relations whatsoever. For an example. Mm. Um, whenever my mom goes back to school with me, she'll drive and then there's a Caltex nearby. Yeah. My mom will always make it a point to stop at the Caltex, not to fill up petrol, but because at that Caltex, there will always be like a bunch of small kids selling, you know, all this. Yeah. It's legal, but, 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 but they sell it there. Mm. And then my mom will call one by one and ask, uh, where do you stay at? Who's your mom? Who's your dad? Not because my mom wants to discipline them, but because <laughs> then my mom will call their parents and say, um, uh, I see that your son cannot speak good English. Do you want to join my tuition for free? No and way. And my mom will teach them for free. Like throughout the year for free. And oh. there are so many students like that who my mom picked up. I was asking, why? I mean, there's, and, and there's so many people who want to join your class. Yeah. Why you want to do this for free? Yeah. They said, no, no, no. That's what keeps her going. Her passion in teaching. Oh right? Uh, and that's why she retired two years ago as a teacher. Compulsory retirement age, 60 years old. But even then, she doesn't want to stop teaching. Um, mm. she's a workaholic I think I picked up that workaholism <laughs> from her um, but that really um, taught me a lot yeah. uh, especially as, as I see that a lot so my mom is an eye lady she's a superwoman uh, she's truly inspiring I've seen how she picked up my family yeah. in the hardest of times and yeah. darkest of days and I'd say uh, whenever I'm in the toughest of positions uh, my mom will always be there for me as the best support structure well, you know what they say, right? Mother's love knows no bounds. Right. And it's true. Oh my gosh, shout out to auntie. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so amazing. Um, I think there's so many questions I want to ask. I'm going to yeah. try to cover as much as I can today. But I think what we really want to know yeah. is your personal struggles as yeah. a young politician. You started yeah. off really young, like when you were 20. Oh yeah. Four, five? Am I right? 23. Yeah. And you're 31 now. We're the same age, by the way. Yeah, yeah. 1992, right? Yeah. yeah. That's really young. When I was 23, I was still yeah. partying in Zouk, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the things that we don't see behind closed doors, behind your curated Instagram posts, behind these yeah. interviews that you, you've planned and wrote a script for, yeah. what are the struggles of a young politician like it's, yourself? It's never easy. I mean, um, obviously, I lost my teenage life, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, the more fun part. But the reason why I don't fret a lot is because even before I was 23, when I was uh, completing my degree, even when I was in foundation, because of my uh, debating pursuits, I was able to travel the world quite early and uh, obviously enjoyed uh, social life to a great extent, especially when you're abroad. So then it was so busy to a point that, for example, in the one year of classes, uh, almost half of the time I'll be abroad. But oh. my lecturers will be very understanding because I was representing the country. Um, so I had a good, decent social life at a much younger age. But at 23, when it was trusted on me, and then to be honest, it wasn't uh, something which was planned. I've always wanted to be different things. 
at one point I wanted to be a singer even though I cannot sing <laughs> I wanted to be an astronaut even though there's no hope in Malaysia to do so <laughs> I wanted to be a soldier that's why I entered military college because my grandfather was in the navy I wanted to be a teacher because my mom right yeah, at one point I was set I'll do whatever but, I mean in whatever job but I want to be a teacher like teacher, lecturer something about teaching to educate back. to give Correct. back to the society yeah. right? I was okay. truly inspired by my mom then and uh, even before I joined politics, I was a youngest part-time lecturer in my university. I was uh, I had the opportunity to teach and train in more than 25 countries. So I truly love doing it. I don't see it as a job. It mm-hmm. is a passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's something you should look forward to wake up and do every day. Mm. But at that point in time, when I spoke up on one particular issue, uh, which involves a major corruption scandal, but I don't want to go into specifics. We know, we, all know. we know, yeah. we all know. And when I said it wasn't, wasn't planned, no one contacted me. I've never met up with any of these big, big politicians then because yeah. my family is zero politics, zero. Yeah. Right? I've never met up with all of them. I just made a simple Facebook posting. Like an essay on Facebook? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not even an essay. Just, it's not that long. It's just like okay, maybe 100 words, right? <laughs> Which I just typed it and posted it out and it went viral. <gasps> and then the media started quoting, oh, three times Asia's best speaker says XXX. Oh. World's best speaker says XXX. So obviously then everyone bombarded me with questions. And what made it worse then, I was already working as a part-time lecturer. Yeah. I was a debate trainer uh, for the university and three different schools. I was a part-time officer for a minister. Yeah. I was also a researcher and a think tank serving a chief minister. Mm. So it's like multiple different jobs. Yeah. And when that happened, instantly I lost almost everything. Wow. I could no longer lecture. I could no longer train. Um, and it was tough. But when that happened to me, I mean, things can change very quickly for what? For one constructive criticism. Um, then it made me realize that if this could happen to me, it could happen to anyone. Yeah. And uh, that really trusted me in. And what, what made it worse was, I think I've explained how much I love my mom. <laughs> when I tried going after my mom, Oh. With a teacher, to me, that's a big red line. I mean, yeah. then I remember police came over to the house 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. I was about to be charged for Sedition Act. Wow. Uh, I mean, the police said that, the chief of the police said that at a national press conference. Then I was in Oxford. <laughs> I, was, I was in Oxford and Cambridge then, being the first uh, Asian to be selected as the chief adjudicator yeah. in uh, Cambridge University. And then when I heard that, my mom called me up panicking. Obviously, different time. It was at like 1 yeah. or 2 a.m. Said the police are all looking for you. So I'm like, I'm very, if they just check my Instagram, they know I'm, yeah, not <laughs> I'm in the home, UK. Yeah. I leave my family alone and uh, one thing led to another. And when I came back, I remember then uh, from Cambridge, uh, I told the police, please don't involve my parents. Yeah. Um, so I was at the airport. Uh, so that's where I graduated. I graduated at the airport. I, because I saw I, the picture. I couldn't attend my own convocation. Yeah, but it's okay. I mean, my mom brought the Yes, I saw. The rope. Yes. So I did my convocation at the airport. Uh, at the airport and then after that, was called in by the police immediately after for wow. questioning. But to me, at a very young age, that made me who I am today. So now when people ask, how do you deal with this? How do you deal with that? I think it's because I went through that at a very young age. Yeah, you went through the worst that anyone yeah. could have. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, me, my family, losing of many different opportunities. But weirdly enough, God has different ways of opening up different doors when other doors are closed. So to, uh, to some extent, I, I still say I'm very privileged. Mm. But uh, that upbringing has really taught me uh, of what I need to do right today. So yeah. That no one else will have to go through what I went through. For sure. But have you ever felt like you're undeserving or not oh, good enough? Including today. It's called, uh, I mean, I look at it, it's, it's called syndrome. imposter syndrome. Yeah. 
but while I say that, mm-hmm. um, I mean, until today, definitely, I still have it. <laughs> I mean, I do, we all have yeah, it, no matter how, it, yeah. how, Especially how much people, you've, Young yeah. people always have it. Yeah. Right, no matter how, you get straight A's, oh, but there's someone who's better. Maybe oh, I'm do undeserving. you think it's social media that we have so much to compare to? Back in the days, mana ada. 110%. So yeah. back in the days, we always compare among our friends, like in yeah, our class. Our now peers. we compare with like- People from across the world. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, so yeah, social media definitely plays a role. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing which I also realize, um, if I may also share. Yes, please do. I mean, when when I was doing a lot of debating, um, I had this wonderful lady as my partner. I'm gonna blur her name out just in case, you know. <laughs> uh, but but she's like a sister to me. She's exceptional. I'd say she is much better than me. As a debater? As a debater, okay. as a person. <laughs> All right. She's better than me. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a junior and uh, it's someone who I look up to. Mm-hmm. However, at debate competitions, the outcome will always be me at the top. And I feel bad because I know that she's better. So when I start talking, she always, uh, to some extent, undervalues herself. Oh no, you know. It's, yeah. So it's, and I realized, no, 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 you are much better. And uh, even after, even she's still a very close friend today. Yeah. So there are many times where I say, hey, you should go for this job. Oh no, I'm undeserving. I don't know whether it's a gender thing. I hope it's not. But I notice there are so many great women who can and who are remarkably better. And this is my own personal experience. I know for a fact she's better than me. Mm. But because I think it's, there's that imposter syndrome. Oh no. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I, I didn't do enough. Mm. I didn't work hard enough. Then I think it pulls her behind. My hope is that mm. we, as a society, yeah. can break through the imprisonment of this oh my imposter gosh. syndrome. Because if that happens, I'm fairly certain so many people will be much, much better than where they are at today. Yeah, like taking taking the leaps that they never have taken before. Correct. Yeah. 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 I mean, the amount of times I said no to things just because I feel like I wasn't good enough. Yeah. yeah. Then, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and the reason why I share a little bit about gender, I know it is sensitive, but I just want to share yeah. because there are so many women yeah. who I have encountered who are so much better, but always tell me, like, no, 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 that's you, you are better. No. I'm like, have you, listen, you are so much better, eloquent, track record of service, brilliant, but you've never given yourself that chance, right? So that's why, I mean, I'm trying my best to, I mean, my deputy, who's a lady, Amir Aisha, who was my officer before. Yeah. Now at a very young age, she she broke my record. She's yeah. very young and now it's already a YB. I want to get a lot more women because I think when there are a lot more female icons, yeah. it's much easier, easier for them to be inspiring than me. Because, oh, Sadiq, you can, uh, the others can. No, I just want to say, <laughs> you are much better. Yeah. Since you're already talking about this, I'm going to jump right in, okay? In your latest story, you just posted that Muda is committed to 50% of women candidate. I want to know what you mean by that. Define committing and sure. what led you to come to this decision. I guess I somewhat sure. know why you came to this decision, but yeah. I would like to hear more from you. Yeah. I mean, I believe in merits. Yeah. I want to say that very clearly. Many people will say, oh, you believe in merits, but then why do you want to have this commitment of fielding 50% of women? Yeah. It's a big, bold statement. Yeah. yeah. Because I believe out of merit, as I just shared. Yeah. Out of merit, they deserve the place. All this while, they were just not given a chance. Yeah. Takes a little bit of coaching and encouragement. But once they are given the opportunity, mm. they'll fly way ahead than me and many others. And that's the goal, right? Yes. To ensure that it's not about person, but a team. Yeah. 
uh, of leaders. And the reason I put a very high threshold of 50% mm-hmm. is that even if I fail to reach that 50%, we'll drop to 40%, 45%. They're still quite high. Still quite high. Because now, everyone's talking about 30% and India becomes 10%. Betul? Now, I'm telling you, the average is 10%. Betul? You know how depressing that is? It is. That everyone knows that parliament is the epicenter of change, yet there's only, there's only 10% of women of in it. Women. I mean, that's depressing. Yeah. Right? So, my aim... <laughs> Start high, commit 50%. Even if you drop with 40, 45, but we are by far the highest yeah. to like 10%. And um, the other reason I do that, I want to ensure that the work culture is very different. How that so? now, with that commitment, everyone knows in Muda that internally, mm. that you are a lady, you deserve it, you can do it, and we will value you, and wow. you will get there. Um, and I've said it many times, uh, many times, and not just issue of gender, I said, as a president of a party, if there's a lady even from a racial religious minority who's better, that person can replace me in a party elections because that's what Muda aspires to be. Mm. Uh, I don't want for people to think that just because I'm a guy who comes from the racial or religious majority that that place is inherently for me. That's wrong. And that makes me weak as well. Because it means I can only cling on based on the colour of my skin or the gender which I'm born into, which is not right. Um, But I'm hoping that at least that can spark a lot more discussions. Yeah, I think it is yeah. already making a change. I think yeah. you're thinking of one step, very big step forward. I think I was, yeah. the team, all of us were like, oh my God, do you see that? Like <laughs> um, YB Psych Study just posted this like yeah. uh, less than 24 hours ago. Yeah. And, but with that comes challenges too, right? Oh, of course, definitely. Especially with your latest candidate. Her name yeah. was, was it Melanie? Melanie, yeah, Melanie Yes. Thing. I trust that she's, mm so mm. so talented and you chose yeah. her for a reason yeah. but what are the challenges with you know having a candidate who's a woman who's yeah. also such a young woman young, as well yeah. I want to know see I was given a chance when I was 23 years old yes and I was even more privileged then because after my short exposure into politics then there were national leaders who who gave me a chance who put yeah. me up who taught me and I am who I am today because I was given that chance. Many yeah. people look at Said Sadiq today but forgot that Said Sadiq so, six, seven years ago was very different. Mm. It was very raw, not much talent. And uh, yeah, and people gave me a chance yeah. and that's why I'm here. So who am I to deny a 23-year-old lady who, to be honest, is much better than me when I was 23? Right? I mean, yeah. when she was 20, she was already on the ground. Wow helping flight victims, you know, fighting for women's rights, going to parliament, chanting and protesting outside. <laughs> hey, at 20, I was chilling, man. I already had five different jobs, yeah. good life, travel abroad. She's doing all of that. So who am I to deny her an opportunity just because of her gender or just because she's young? Yeah. I mean, the point is, is she perfect? No, I wasn't perfect as well. But when young people are given a chance, put through the pressure cooker, mm. becomes much better. Yeah. So... Uh, it's not just her, there are many others like her. Yeah. How do you give that chance? Will we win or lose? Who knows? Yeah. Does it matter, to be honest? No. Because we see this as an investment 20 years to come, right? Yeah. So if we lose, okay, that's democracy, you respect it, but the experience, I think, nourishes our life and makes yeah. us better people. Yeah, I think it's really playing the long game. Like, yeah. Not just seeing short term wins and goals, right? Correct. Um, since we're also talking about politics, uh, there's still some sort of question I want to know, you know, like Sidang Parliament. For yeah. someone who's, guys, I think you all know like my polit, 
I'm not very politically aware compared to a lot of my other peers. So when it comes to Sidang Parliament, mm. what is it? How do you prepare for it? And <laughs> like, how do you prioritize what cause? Because every day they're so different. Oh, so true. many different social issues that's going on. Like, absolutely right. How do you prioritize and how yeah. does it work? Can you break it down I, for us? I always believe in building systems because okay. systems uh, supersede personalities and systems can be improved and can be inherited. Okay? For sure. So I have a very simple system before Parliament. First thing first is, I'll go to my constituency in Moa and meet up with as many groups. Small entrepreneurs, youth, women, Ibu Tunggal, Ibu Tinggal, including foreign workers, everyone to get their views. What are the issues of the day which you feel is most pressing so that I can bring up in parliament? And I have, so these are all the mini town halls. It's not the formal big town halls. And you do it yourself? Yeah, I do it myself. Wow. But I have my team along as well. Okay. So after hearing all their issues and grouses, then I already have a starting point, then I filter and synthesize. What are the key issues? Then once I have the top 10 key issues, then I submit questions to parliament based on the top 10 key issues, mm. which are based on local sentiments in more and national sentiments. Mm. But I always tie it up with solutions. I don't like to just talk about problems. Yeah. Almost in every single issue I bring up, you have it will solution. come with a solution. Yeah. All right? Uh, because if not, people just say, oh, you, you're just good at making noise, but not mm. in actually resolving the problem. So then after that, that's where I have a shadow of like, how do I push that issue until I get a proper response from the minister? <laughs> after the response, how do I respond back? And then work via a select committee to get the policy passed. How long does it so take usually? Uh, oh, usually it's months. Like, okay, let's say parliament starts next month. Yeah. It'll be one month before that of like the proper- the Prep work. Yeah. Go listen. It's more, I call it a listening tour. You listen okay. to everyone, get all the opinions, mm. synthesize, and mm. then I add on my views mm. and solutions. And then after that, go into parliament and bring the trophy home. Wow. And parliament always so chaotic. Is that? Oh yeah. Oh my God. How, how bad can it be? Oh, like, it can why be really are people bad. shouting? Uh, actually, I want to know. I want to know. Like sometimes I get very frustrated. You don't need to shout to get your point across. Like I, why are they always shouting? I'm asking you the same question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's a big difference if you're shouting out of passion. It's like, yes. we need to do this. Oh, yeah. okay, uh. but no, this no, is no. Like I'm shout- talking about the... Yeah, yeah we know the shouting. Yeah. You and all that word comes out. I can't say it, right? So PK, PK, not the yeah. other one. Yeah, so all this and a lot more vulgarities yeah. out. Nah. Yeah. I think you've witnessed how even uh, women are targeted, you know, and there are a lot of sexist remarks thrown. Yes, and it's very I've... easy and convenient to throw it to women. Yeah. Uh, so again, we can ask you why they, why don't we have enough women in politics? It's one of the reasons, right? Who dares to walk in there when Correct. you're gonna attack us? Correct. Um so it's a it's a very big issue. Um why, to be honest, until now I do not know why. Because to me, huh. some of the issues are like, hey, you can just disagree or you can raise your voice without the need to shout to get your point exactly. across. If you have to shout all the time, it actually shows that you are no, incapable some- of delivering that point or worse, there's actually a lot more hot air than actual then. issues and data which you want to share. Yeah, exactly. I've always been very curious. Lah. Like, you should really come to parliament. What, what, can we come? Yeah, you can. It's open to public? It's open. Now, are you serious? No, I, I'm very serious. So can I join you in the next one? Yeah. So next, wait, when is our next parliament sitting? Huh? Should be August, September. Uh, September. September? Okay. Just, uh, just get, 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 get in touch. I will bring you inside and bring you on a tour and then you can start like I will see you there. Interviewing everyone there. Yeah. Okay, I will yeah. see you there. I'll, I'll go to the parliament for yeah. the very first time. You should, you should. It's, yeah. it's fun. And um, the other part, Behind it, at yeah. times when there's a lot more noise, people love to come. Especially the young... Right. Where do they sit? Because we only see where 
you guys yeah. sit. Like, no, it's it's around, so oh, it's like the, uh, the, like, the, the a, like a visitor sitting auditorium lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can oh. see. How long does it take though? Is it like a whole day? Oh, it's a whole day. It starts at uh ten. So can uh, I leave o'clock? if I feel like it's too much? Of course you can. <laughs> of course you can. You can leave whenever you want. Okay, um, okay. But yeah, at times it can even go to like midnight. No way. There are sessions where even above and beyond midnight. So because technically by law you cannot supersede midnight because you move to a new day. So what they do, they actually physically. Stop the clock. There's. Are you serious? They stop it, bro. How? And it continues until you two, three a.m. in the morning. Like that also can. Hey, yeah, there have been sessions like that, <laughs> especially when they want to rush through laws. You know. Right. Do you yeah. think? Okay. That's not fair. right, lah. To me, it's yeah. better to have a longer. Yeah, part. Lah, yeah lah. Lo- More days than going at two a.m. Yeah, because who can debate two a.m. Bro, mental capacity also another yeah, thing, right? Who's watching? It's, it's a, not quality it's meant to be anymore. For the public. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh wow. Okay. Now, I'm not going to lie. The only time I ever hear people, at least people in my circle, talk about politics is when elections is near. Yeah. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Let's be honest, you guys listening too. <laughs> and the upcoming state elections happening for Kedah, Penang, Selangor, yeah. Negeri, Semilan, Terengganu, and Kelantan. I'm from Johor, so my note is done already. We are, we yeah. are buddies. Which yes. part of Johor, by the way? Johor Baru. Which part of JB? Uh, so I don't live there anymore. So let yeah. me... Uh, ben, Taman Aust- Mount Austin. Oh, Mount Aust- Wow. That's actually where Amira is saying, I, I stay not oh, that yes, far away. Oh yes, Amira was uh, my uh, candidate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually don't stay far away. Uh, I'm in Taman Peling. Peling? You uh, know, I used to stay there when I was a child. Oh, really? Yes, that's wow. my childhood Taman. There you go. Oh my God. Okay, neighbours. I was sekolah kebangsaan there, sekolah menengah. Only then went to military right. college. Okay, yeah. I moved to Ipoh when I was three years old. Oh, Ipoh. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Wow. So I feel like I belong in Ipoh a little bit more. Oh, you got the I best food there. La. Yes, same Ipoh school say- as Michelle Yeo. Oh, really? Yeah, she's my high school senior. Which by school main, is this? Main convent. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, funny, is it true people say, all ladies from Ipoh are very beautiful yes. because of the water? Yes. So I'm like, <laughs> the mountain water. Yeah, it's either the water or the tauge. I'm like, what tauge? What miracle tauge is that? You know, speaking of tauge, my neighbor in my Ipoh house, yeah. I used to live with my grandmother. Yeah. My neighbor supplies and sells tauge to the local market. <laughs> now we need to do proper study I'm and research on joking. the tauge. Like yeah. every day I see them clean tauge. It's like the kampung house. You know, I grew up from yeah. uh, in a, in a yeah. uh, small village in yeah. Ipoh as well. But anyway, <laughs> enough of tauge and pretty girls. But yeah, I have to agree though. Ipoh girls are beautiful. My mom's from Ipoh. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. I've um, heard it so many times. <laughs> sorry, I got <laughs> sidetracked. <laughs> so why, you know, I still hear people say, you know, it's just a state election. Mm. GE already happened. I vote for what? No difference. This is uh, very important. Yes, tell One us is, why. This is a historic state elections because half of the voting population can and will go out to vote. See, uh, a normal back then, we had Johor state elections, yeah, 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 we had yeah, yeah. It's like, 2 million people. Mm. This is 10 million Malaysians yeah. are eligible to vote. Therefore, it's almost like a national referendum wow. on what's happening. So it's not just one state election. Two, and this is the biggest one. State elections are where a lot of the work gets done. For example, yeah. you angry potholes, state mm. elections. Flash floods, power in majlis, state elections. Issues of climate change involves land. Land belongs to the state. I mean, so many things. Even like from your majlis issues, kebersihan, sampah, basic things are all under the jurisdiction of the state. That is of utmost importance. But the final part I want to add here is that usually, I mean, we don't have local municipal elections, which we should. I'm always an advocate for the third vote. Because, I mean, very briefly, why? I just our day-to-day problem are often things which involve basic welfare issues, 
cleanliness, yeah. um, safety. safety. These are all under the municipality. But in Malaysia, everything is appointed by politicians. We don't have a vote. I'm pushing oh, for it. Right. We should allow for that third vote because more democracy and accountability leads to better practices on the ground. How's that coming but, along? I don't want to go Detail. super political, yeah, but to payah. put it very simply, yeah. before elections, those in government committed and now it's like, <laughs> Oh no. But the reason why I also feel very passionate about that, see, for you to go to parliament, you must be experienced, must have 20 years, yeah. so at least on a municipal level or a state level, state level is lower, mm. right? This is where you want to give chances to young people, women, to be like, to, to really come up, prove themselves. I mean, to be honest, it's not much for them to prove, but because they can do it. Mm. But the point is that is the testing ground. Yeah. But if we can't even do that, I mean, it's tough, right? Sure. I mean, uh, then what is our what is our path in? Because if not, you must come from either a political family, yeah. you must be rich, you must come from a big party, only then will you be given a chance. It feels so unreachable for a lot of people. Correct. So to make democracy a lot more accessible and efficient, I think uh, at the state level and at the municipal level, we should open it up and embrace democracy. I hear yeah. you and I hope that happens soon. Um, also, this is a question from one of your followers, fans. Um, what's your take on the older generations of Malaysia saying don't break your votes don't waste your votes on youngsters who have no oh. pengalaman to this. serve the people I'm sure you've heard this many times I've uh, I've heard this many times and to be honest I don't uh, take that personally because I think it's still constructive Yeah, young people seem to be inexperienced mm -hmm. is something which we need to respond to I mean my take on it is in order for you to make Malaysia a great country, you need to train and prepare young leaders of today. And if you don't give them a chance and put them through the pressure cooker at a young age, by the time you want to give them a chance, they're all old and disconnected. The point is some youth issues are issues which may not be able to be comprehended well by different generations because of the intergenerational gap. So give them a chance and let them prove themselves. And again, this is a state election. So yeah. let me just show what it means, huh? Federal government won't change. Still come from the same coalition. State government, still the same. I mean, that area is still the same coalition. Yeah. Member of parliament, still from the same coalition. Ali Majlis, same. Ketua Kampung, same. So I said, give lah a chance. Yeah. This is like, at least to be your voice of conscience and check and balance. Yeah. Do that. But above and beyond all of that, okay, and, and I always say, you know, don't, don't, don't give this uh, young bunch a chance. You know, they'll split the votes. I always believe that competition is better. For sure. Because in the end, the competition of ideas will move Malaysia up, not down. Mm. That's one. Two, you don't want to build a political environment where a political block or party can say, oh, no, this is just mine. Because oh, I've been here for the past 40 years. I've been here for the past 30 years. Oh, I'm the one with experience. You don't. You know what that leads to? Complacency. That leads to a sense of entitlement. But worse, yeah. they will see voters as numbers. Oh, you are my voting block. You are my safe deposit. You will not move anywhere. So there's no proper contestation of ideas based on data and facts to really move Malaysia forward. Yeah. So I'm of the opinion that the louder democracy is, the better it gets. Mm -hmm. And um, for Muda in particular, being young, we acknowledge we lack the experience in contrast to those who have been here for the past 60 years. But what we lack, we make up with our ideas, ideals, principles. But most importantly, we're just here really wanting to change policies. I mean... Mm -hmm. Besides Just, all the noisy parts yeah. in parliament, what actually changes lives of people? Is this 
policies. Yeah, policies. Yeah. Um, on the contrary, then they are politicians who have been in the field, who yeah. have a lot of pengalaman, yeah. as they say. So there's this saying that says, you either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. <laughs> and it's very times. clear that there is definitely a need for younger voices, very clearly yeah. in the parliament as well. Yeah. But to achieve that, there needs to be a space right. for them. So my question is, yeah. I will try to approach this as delicate as I can. Do you believe and do you think that there should be a cutoff point for senior members oh, to retire? I've before. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's actually a very uh, good issue to raise up. Yeah. And I believe it should be debated in parliament because it is a serious issue. Mm. Um, especially today, we are living in a very gerontocratic parliament where the majority of MPs are actually above 50, 55, I think. And they are like, if you look at the What's retirement age again? Retirement age in Malaysia is 55 to 60. Ah. Yet the majority of, of our yes. MPs have passed retirement age. Okay. Right? Uh, I see that. So that's telling. However, while I'm very young and lead a youth-led, even though it's not youth-exclusive party, it would also be wrong for me to then say that we should completely carve out talents who are old. I'll give you a very simple example. Huh? In the US, you have a leader called Bernie Sanders. Mm was really old, but his policies and issues are very young. He's yeah. very popular among the young. Yeah. You can have a very young leader who brings old politics as well. For sure. So to me, it's not about a Age. quota or a calf out or you cannot at all. Mm. But to me, parties must be ready to adopt young leaders, put them in center stage, make sure that they lead. I should want a very simple example. I mean, Malaysians don't like using this example because we're very competitive that country, but heck, we have to. Singapore. Yeah. You know, in Singapore, their leadership transition is so detailed and meticulously planned. When back then, um, the Prime Minister now is uh, Sia Long. Back then, the Deputy Prime Minister was Heng Sui Kiat. Mm. And he's not old. He's like late 50s. Yeah. In the end, he was already touted as the next Prime Minister. He took a back seat willingly saying because he is already old and he wants to give a chance to the fourth generation of Singapore. The fourth gen leaders. Eh, this guy is just late 50s, man. In Malaysia, he's the average age in parliament. Right? Yeah. So to them, young is like 40, early 50s. Right? I mean, uh, this is to number one. This is not even an MP. Uh. Yeah. Not even a minister. It's number <laughs> one role. I mean, Malaysia, we can do better. Yeah. Right? I mean, the fact of the matter in Malaysia, our average age is 30. 28 to 30. Yeah. The average age of, the, of, of, of our population, despite having a very young, vibrant population, politics in Malaysia is the exact opposite. Yeah. It's like, Super old men. <laughs> it's a male dominated. Male, 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 male dominated. So I think that's where I mean to to create laws to force diversity. I think could happen if it's done properly. But to say today that we sh no one above sixty can contest, I Not think we'll also do that. a great injustice yes. uh, to Malaysia. So um, open up the field of democracy, but that also means helping and create uh, in, in creating a more equal opportunity for young people to join. So where I feel very passionate. So in Muda, the reason I feel very keen to push 50% of women candidates, because I know if you don't give them a chance or a handhold, they will, ne they will never dare to break that glass ceiling or to, because that glass ceiling is also by society. In the US, there's a fund called, I think the Barbara Foundation, where it provides seed capital to any women who contest, whether they're from this party or that. Because, again, it's already tough for them. And then, they also, in terms of 
money as well, they are at a disadvantage. So this at least creates more equal opportunity. Back then, I advocated for anyone who's below 30, mm. cover their deposits. So that then at least yeah. the financial barrier is away. Malaysia should come up with a structure in which makes it very easy and convenient for women and young people to run because the current structures are directly against them. You must either come from a political family to be given, to be given a chance. You must come from a huge political party which is very hierarchical yeah. in nature. So you need like 10 years to build your name. By then you're already old. Yeah. Uh, or you need to have a lot of money. Right. So it's unfair. We want to get smart, talented people who come from the working class, right? But who feel very passionate giving back. So that's uh, one area of a system which we need to break and create a more resilient system and a diverse system. And I think that's why a lot of people love what you do with Muda as well. And uh, this is something that you said in uh, your previous interview with Jin, Mama yeah. Sessions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. And so happened I was um, listening to it again. And you said that it's better to go in as a team yeah. than individual. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But this time, Muda is contending alone in yeah. this upcoming state election. Yeah. So won't this split the urban slash Pakatan Harapan yeah. vote, thus in some ways, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, benefiting the PN? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, so I have three, three quick responses. Yes. First thing first is we have to acknowledge that this election will not change uh, the federal government. Mm. Right? I think the government is very stable, two-thirds majority. Yeah. And as I've shared just now, a seat is not the entitlement, it's not the belonging or an asset of a party. It's really up to the people. What Muda is requesting, first, we're not even contesting in like 240 seats. There are 240 seats out of a play. We're only contesting about 15, maximum 20, not even 10%. Mm. So we can't shake everything, but we want to be the voice of conscience and the alternative so that a wake-up call can be sent after state elections, that you must fulfill your promise, reform the system, build a more meritocratic, multiracial system, etc. And entering in, I think with that limited capacity, it's about giving us a chance to prove ourselves as well, to serve you better. Because from federal, state, parliament, Kota Kampung, Majlis, it's all one. Yeah. It's just this other one to be that voice of conscience, right? Yeah. Uh, so then there's more choices, but above and beyond that, I think it's also good for Malaysian democracy. Second, so I hear, oh, then you'll split. There's a lot of fear mongering. This will come in, that will come in. What I fear is that in the end, we move into a world in which it's hyper-polarized. What I mean by hyper-polarized? Oh, this is mine. Multiracial, moderate voters is mine. And no one can challenge it. And he wants to challenge, oh, you are splitting the votes. Uh, you know, today, on both sides, I'm being blamed. When I contest, the Malays are saying, <laughs> I'm on the other side, PN is saying, Sadi is splitting the Malay votes. The other side is saying, you are splitting the moderate votes. Hey, what is this? This is a Malaysian <laughs> vote. Who are you to have entitlement and ownership over one particular voting bloc? Yeah. But what's worse is that when politicians and parties see voters as numbers, oh, this belongs to me. Yeah. This is my voting bloc. They get complacent. Yeah. That's where you see today, you know, what was said before election, what was said after, it's like, no, no. I mean, it's completely different because they see, oh, you are a vote bank. You are safe deposit. You will not move. No matter what happens, you will not vote the other side. Therefore, you're safe with me. What happens there is complacency. They don't fulfill their honours and promises. But worse, they try to pander to the other side. Of course, you are safe already. You'll never go against me. So I'll try to be, I'll try to be the other side. Right. <laughs> you know what happens is that in the end, you are pulled both sides. Yeah. To the left, to the right, and the center grows weaker and you lose both sides. Yes. So okay. to me, that's uh, the, okay. the second point to make. The final point to make is this. 
Malaysia thinks a great country. If anything, the competition should be a contestation of ideas, policies to the top. I mean, now if it's just about, oh, this is mine, this is my voter base, or don't split. I mean, if you do a great job, there's no need for a split to begin with. Yeah. Right? In the end, voters will vote you anyway. Correct. But let your track record speak for yourself. That's the best way instead of, you know, the old school way of thinking, this is mine and it will always be mine forever. Yeah. That's not right. So I think to summarize uh, this all, we need to aspire to bring in new politics, ones which revolve around policies and data-driven policies. Mm -hmm. Let us compete to the top, not the lesser of evils. I know what it feels like going to the gym and feel completely clueless and intimidated. I was once there. That's why I started Motion Lab. We're a fitness studio that focuses on small group classes and personal training. Our goal is simple, to help you move better so you can live better. Start your first class for only 49 ringgit today. For more info, go to www.motionlab.live or check us out on IG at MotionLabMY. It's MotionLabMY. Sadiq, you are very, very tech-savvy. And you're also involved in a lot of the local creator influencer scene. We don't just see you in parliament. <laughs> we see you on TikTok. We see you on Instagram. <laughs> online and relevant. I think that's very important. Yeah. Because when... Let's talk about politics. Like you said, when you first started, there's yeah. no such thing. Correct. Right? So how do you think this approach has changed since you started old versus the yeah. new digital world? Oh, this is very important. I just shared just now, the best world for Malaysian politics is when... There's equal opportunity. Yes. When you're young, you can still enter despite not coming from a privileged uh, background. Social media assists that. I give a very spare example. Huh? Without social media, for me to get my message out, my policies, my ideas, my crowdfunding, mm. I have to spend millions of media buy, go through this, the, the newspaper. A young person does not have that. No. Now, with social media, we can communicate directly to the audience. We can speak to them. Right? And then people know it's a lot more authentic, it's not edited, it's me and you. Um, so to me, that actually lowers the barrier of entry for young people uh, into politics, which makes it fairer. The second part behind it as well, so actually I think young people are disadvantaged in a few ways. They don't have the level of financial capital as those who are much older, networking and experience like those who are much older. But knowing where, where we lack, we also make up in being very quirky in a way of thinking. We're very, we are innovators. Yes. We dare to think out of the box. And social media is one way in which they can experiment. Mm -hmm. A very special example again, let's say I'm an old school politician and I want to do a party fundraising. Always very simple. I just go meet up with a tycoon, say, <laughs> I'll give you this if I win, therefore you help me. Yep. Now, heard that so it's, before. Like, it's like an investment. But what's problematic with that is that then you'll be beholden to the person yeah. if you win. And even if you lose, that person most likely would have funded the other side as well. Sorry. So either way, the, 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 the tycoon wins and uh, Malaysians lose out right. uh, because the system, be uh, system becomes problematic. But with young people, we can, we can innovate, right? I mean, we do multiple crowdfunding campaigns. I, mean, I remember when I was in MOA, uh, sorry, uh, before last election, uh, during COVID time and MOA didn't get any allocations from government, sadly. I mean, my, parli my parliamentary allocation was stripped yeah. Um, while other <laughs> parliaments got it. Instead of fretting mm. and complaining, I did like, I did my Botak challenge. I saw. You know, I raised more than 400,000 yeah. live on television when I had to go fully bald. My mom was the one yeah. balding my hair. I mean, I, I cooked like uh, then uh, shakshuka and lasagna. My parents sold it. Sold books, modeled for kurta. 
went on live on Shopee, Shopee, <laughs> live Shopee. I mean, literally selling my, like I'm a marketer. But in total, we raised millions. Right? Wow. And uh, that's the new way of doing. Am I beholden to anyone? No. No. Right? I mean, uh, money. yeah, correct. So in the end, I'm beholden to the masses and that's much better. So I can speak my mind. Yeah. Some will not be happy. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, not, not everyone uh, can accept change and I respect uh, difference in opinion. Yeah. But it means I can still be myself. Right. So that's why I think social media equalizes the playing field, gives young people who are innovators the ability to move forward faster instead of playing the same old game. Mm. But do you think that's sustainable though when you are kind of competing against people with tycoons oh, yeah, backing them up? I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. These are the big guys. Yeah. And you have to... They, the Ota Ota one, was it part of your initiative yeah. as well? Oh, it's not just... Now I think I'm, I'm like I'm selling everything, man. My I didn't book, know it's, that's how you make Ota Ota. Even though I'm from Moa. <laughs> I mean, it's like... I love Ota Ota. It's the sweet... Oh, you should look... I mean, I really went through the... From the fish, the yes, huge ikan malong to like the final Ota Ota paste. Yeah. That's a very interesting process of making Ota Ota. But it, makes me appreciate yeah. Ota Ota a lot more. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, but yeah, we did. I mean, it was Ota Ota. Yesterday was nasi lemak, <laughs> bihun. And literally, it's like us selling online, offline, going on TikTok live. You know, like yes. all the influencers selling stuff. On, yes, yes, yes. And not just me. Literally everyone. Your so, someone's going to sell their motorbike. <laughs> I mean, it's, the point is, we feel like a family. Yeah. And we all have a stake in it. Will it be enough? No. That's, Obviously not. Yeah. But this is where you need to innovate. I mean, yeah. if you expect to join politics and give people money to vote for you, that's not us. And we won't even bother to do that because it's too costly. We don't have the money anyway. But I believe that majority of Malaysians are already very matured thinkers. They know that even if a party can offer a lot more money, it does not mean that it would give a brighter future for them and their children. So yeah. I think, I mean, you don't have to be super luxurious in campaigning. Yeah, You just have to be innovative in how you do it. Yeah. And I think you've proven that to be right. That with the right intention, yeah. with the right channel, you can still be able to raise funds for That's it. That's true. Um, with that said though, what's your favourite thing about being a politician and least favourite? Oh, okay. It's a good question. Favourite definitely yeah. is the feeling after passing along. Mm. It's weird, but I mean, one of my best moments mm. ever uh, was when, and it took about one year to work it out, to get Undi 18 in. Oh, yes. Because it was a constitutional amendment which requires two-thirds support. And then the government didn't have two-thirds support. Mm -hmm. Everyone said it was impossible. Everyone said don't bother even trying because it's not a normal legislation. But I was set. I knew that young people suffered an electoral disadvantage because their issues will never be national issues because people say, ah, young people never turn up to vote. They're in small numbers. You know, older people are the ones who turn up regularly to vote and they're the biggest number. So I thought, yeah, to change that, just give more votes to young people. It's a simple formula. Um, and obviously, with a lot of bipartisanship, I had to meet up, be very diplomatic, flew state by state to meet up with opposition leaders. And finally, securing the deal, pushing it through. And when the law was passed, it was one of the best feelings. What did you, what did you do to celebrate? I remember I went to Chili's with my team. <laughs> I vividly remember, yeah. After Love the it. law was passed, shed my tear of joy. <laughs> Tear, you know, cannot too much tears, but a tear <laughs> of joy. Um, because I know one way or another, this will be an intergenerational change. It's not just about one election. Oh yeah, it changed the game it's completely. That from now onward, young people will make up 55% of the electorate. We are effectively in the majority in the kingmaker. And I remember immediately, after, I've been trying to push this job stimulus package. Yeah. Right? Uh, and every time I bring it up, it's like, oh, cannot lah, you know, with no yeah. money. After only 18 was passed, immediately, oh yeah, can, can, can. 
<laughs> and now you realize all parties are like so talking about policies about young people, representation about young people. Because now they know you cannot take young people's votes lightly. Yeah. So I think that's why I shed tea of joy. I remember I went to Chile's, brought the team. Uh, I mean, I don't know why Chile's. I think it was nearby parliament then. <laughs> it was the old Chile's at BSC. Okay. Uh, but yeah, just to... Because it was the team. To be honest, I, from the beginning, I said it's not me. Because yeah. it's a bipartisan effort. So every party should take the credit. Yeah. And I have to be fair to them as well. I was just a diplomat lah in, yeah. in, in getting everyone together. But above and beyond that, I had NGOs like UNITIN backing me up. Yeah. I had civil society movements, student unions, all in this together. Yeah. And it's actually about them. Yeah. Right? Uh, I'm merely the facilitator. And when mm. I don't facilitate well, I'll be out of parliament. Yeah. And I respect the voice of the people. Yeah. What about your least favorite thing? Least favorite is the internal politics of character assassination. And I've mm. gone through that too many times. For me, to some extent, I'm, I wouldn't say immune, but I'm used to it. I mean, yeah. give you context. have to be used to it yeah. to, to kind of keep yeah. going. I mean, like, right? When I first joined politics, 23 years old, when I lost all my jobs and sources of income, that was devastating. Yeah. When they went after my mom and after that, my brother and my dad in very personal ways, which could break up the family, that was very painful. Uh, but I persevered. Uh, but today, whenever it happens to people around me, I'm like, why involve them? I mean, I have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with this. Yeah. And um, I hate that part about yeah. politics because it is not about nation building. It is about character assassination. It is about hurting those around that politician. Yeah which are innocent, I think that's toxic, dirty, and divisive. And that, that's also why I always believe in building strong institutions and not personalities or hyper-partisanship because yeah. institutions will stop that from happening. Yeah, I've seen you, I've, I mean, I've heard you say that many times before. Yeah. Building good institutions makes Correct. a big difference, right? Um, you were talking about youth earlier. Um, I mean, it's great that, you know, um, youth today can finally vote when yep. they turn 18. Yes. But sadly though, they're still quite unaware about politics. Mm. It, it feels still something that is very unreachable and very foreign to them. Yeah. Uh, I think I was just talking to one of my team, like she's 19 years old yep. wow. and her friend. Oh, so you can but vote she's, now. she's very politically aware, okay? You do, not, you do not have to register now. You can immediately can, can, vote. Did you vote the last round? Her birthday. Uh, ah, okay. so you couldn't, yeah. yeah, the next one. Oh, same. December baby. <laughs> yeah. Sagittarius. Out of the box thinker. Sorry, random. <laughs> no, no, no. But I think, right, ultimately, even for me, someone who's like, I'm, I'm your age. Yeah. Like, but uh, now that I'm finally learning about it, what you've just said, character yeah. assassination, all that, it feels so helpless. Like, it feels yeah. so jaded with all these hanky-panky behind yeah. closed doors, under the table business. Yeah. And I know that you're someone who's still fighting a good fight. And you are. And despite it all, how hard is it to actually change this corrupted system? How hard? How Realistically, how long do you think it's going to take for, for us to see good change? I think you need a lot more of political will than time. Why I say that? Even in five years, mm. if you have the right, I, I don't want to just say leader, leaders, a team mm. of leaders, you can do it. Yeah. Because changing institutions do not take time. Economic recovery Economic planning, that will take time. That's why you don't right. see me saying, oh, why, why are you not making lives of people immediately better seven months? I'm being realistic. But reforming institutions can be done immediately. Decentralizing power from the hands of the prime minister and political elites, asset declarations, political funding act, two-term limit, 
you know, mm. ensuring that MACC PDRM appointments are done in parliament, not by the prime minister. Can right. name you a whole list, which I think you can do it in one parliament sitting. Okay. Get it all done. The data is there. NGOs have been talking about this for decades. Yeah. The laws are ready. Mm. Um, so to me, that requires political courage yeah. uh, to push in. That's why I am very optimistic on Malaysia's future. Yeah. Despite all that's happening, you know, it's, I'm optimistic because today, voters are very mature. They're not blindly loyal to any political party. Above and beyond that, when government changes, it actually sends a clear wake-up call to all politicians, including myself, that you don't own this seat. Yeah. That if you don't do things well, you'll be kicked out, yeah. right? And that's great because it keeps us on our toes to always listen to the people. <laughs> but above and beyond that, I think the recipe to reform Malaysia lies in unlocking our institutions. Mm. And changing institutions wouldn't take a long time. So I give right. a example. Indonesia, Jokowi. Prior to Jokowi, people said many things about Indonesia, yeah. not in the best of light. After Jokowi came in, I mean, economic growth, FDI, now being the economic engine of Asia, many other things, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of positive changes. That was done by leader, but it wasn't just by the leader, but it's by reforming the institutions, right? So I think Malaysia, we are actually much better, um, to be very fair, to frank with our friends from Indonesia, we are actually in a very good state. Yeah. We already have decent infrastructure, yeah. our education system, while not the best, but a lot of Malaysians already have education up to tertiary education, yeah. um, so our institutions are not the best, but not the worst as well. Yeah. If we just unlock that potential, yeah. we will be a developed country. We will be the growth engine of Southeast Asia. We will, and, and to, to, to my friends who came and saying, what about Islam, what about Islam? No, best way for you to sell Islam is to show that Malaysia, Muslim majority country, is developed, yeah. modern, have a strong system of rule of law, protect people from different races and religions well, shared prosperity, that's how you sell Islam, mm. right? I mean, why did the world look at Turkey in the early 2000s? Yeah. Because from poverty, building a middle class now to upper middle income economy, right? To a point that the world had to listen yeah. to what Turkish leaders had to say. Malaysia must do better. So I think on this front, uh, I'm still optimistic because if it's not me, there are many others. Yeah. So the point is I'm trying, to, all the young leaders, let us compete well, yeah. um, so India becomes a contestation of ideas so that whoever gets there, even if I lose, I'll feel happy because I know my country is heading yeah. in the right direction. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you said that you're still hopeful because if you say you're not hopeful, lagi lah we tak hopeful. No, honestly, <laughs> honestly speaking, because you're the voice of the people, right? Um, and also this next question, I cannot have you on Head Over Heels without asking you this. Yeah. Uh, we are a woman's podcast after all. Yeah. So I'm very genuinely curious do you think Malaysia is on the right track with championing gender equality? Not enough. What can be done? A lot of ways. Huh? Um, okay, I'll go on the good and the bad. Yes, Because please. I cannot just criticize. The good part is, relative to other Asian countries, including developed countries like Korea and Japan, we have a lot more women executives, not just in government, especially in private sector. Mm. That's where the money and capital is at. In Malaysia, you go to the GLCs, agencies, you have a lot of powerful merit-based women who are there doing a great job, yeah. right? Not just previously the governor, um, what is it? You have um, um, uh, board members of Kazana. You have also those leading GLCs yeah. uh, who are women out of their own merit did remarkably well and transformed Malaysia's landscape. So I think on that part, it's okay. Is it enough? No. Mm. There's a lot more to go. Okay, where do I go? What else can we do from here? Number one, I'm going to talk about the masses, uh, one big problem in Malaysia 
is ensuring that a lady, especially a professional, can progress her career well while starting up a family. So proper data shows that Malaysia, uh, for Malaysian women, there's this double, it's called double bump or double dip. I give a very simple example. Women do remarkably well in universities, outperform men, and then when they get into the workforce, they actually do quite well. Yeah. They climb up, but once they start a family, then there's a dip. And then when you want to go up, you have to start again. From scratch. Which is a big problem. Yeah. Maternity leave, that's one which we passed in 2019 by giving them more flexibility, hopefully resolving this, but it's not just that. Mm -hmm. The other part behind it as well is to ensure that there are specific policies to encourage and assist women who just give birth the first time so that they can not just enter the job market again, but while ensuring that their child will be well taken care of. Childcare yeah. is there. Yeah. And above and beyond that, when they join, they don't have to start again. They yeah. can already, if they live in mid-executive, they can come back in mid-executive. Yeah. One of the job stimulus package, which I was fighting for and it was passed and the government changed. It's called okay. Malaysia Kerja. There's one angle which I feel very passionate about, which is to deal with that double dip. Right. Which is uh, a lady with a, a first child, mm -hmm. right? Who wants to re-enter the job sector. Now companies who hire that lady will get a job stimulus. So, so for example, let's say that company says, oh, but, but you've been out of the job market for one year, one year and a half. Yeah. So your skills may no be outdated, relevant, right? Yeah. So maybe I only want to pay you 2,000. The government will top up, but only for that lady, an additional 600 ringgit for two years. Right. So in a way, companies are more likely to hire, yeah, rehire. Uh, to, to rehire um, uh, mothers, mm. first time mothers, right? So because in the end, once you open up the door, they'll like before, they'll excel yeah. very quickly. Yeah. So that's one, one mm -hmm. area which specifically deals, I mean, obviously it ties back to education, yeah, for sure. uh, pre, uh, nursery, pre-nursery. So all these things tied in together. But the point is you want to ensure that in Malaysia, you can be the best version of yourself while being a mother and someone who loves the family while not sacrificing your career progression. That's one, because that affects everyone in whichever job, whichever scale. Yeah. Two is, is obviously having more female icons. That means changing the structures of power. Mm. As I've shared in politics, ridiculous that we only have about 10 to 11% average yeah. of women in parliament don't. I mean, you want to talk about women icons, get them in positions of power, yeah. then they can inspire many others. So I think definitely I want to change that process. Above and beyond that, I also want to ensure that not just in politics, but in corporate sector, don't just look at GLCs and GLICs, look at public listed companies, etc. I think they must be, to force will be tough, especially with private sector. But as I said, there must be systems of encouragements which ensure that diversity is not just about race and religion, guys. It's also about gender. Yeah. That when they are there, that's where just them being there as an icon inspires millions more. I mean, yeah. remember when we had Zeti Aziz. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone's looking, Tanshi Rafida. Mm -hmm. I, was like, oh, I can do it as well. Yeah. In the future... Hey, even now, I actually think there are quite a number of ladies who are prepared to become prime minister who will do much better than men, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we, we have them already. I don't want to talk about future, mm -hmm. right? Um, why why can't we aspire that? Yeah. And uh, every time again, I hear people say, oh, cannot, because then this voter block will not accept this voter block. Again, Malaysians, you have to convince, you have to play the politics of changing hearts and minds, not just pandering. Yeah. Right? Because once that happens, you will change generations to come. Yeah. 
And I definitely hope that I will be living to see the day that we have a women prime minister. I'm fairly certain that it will yeah. be in. You will. I'm fairly okay. certain it will be in our generation. And even if it's not from my party yeah. or my coalition, I can tell you if it oh, happens, yes. I will be very happy. I, we will be very happy too. I think we will be looking forward to that day. But another another issue I, I'm very very passionate about personally is mm. women's safety. Don't know if you heard about the recent case of Akasha Diana. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I'm did. sure you did. It's tragic. Tra- 10 years. Correct. So traumatizing, so painful. I, I recently just got a dick pic like two days ago. I'm really sorry to hear that. Freaking disgusting. She got that. Day, I don't know, daily or whatnot, but for the past 10 years, I can't imagine. Re- after lodging police reports, after, after despite many it times, all. yeah. Yeah, so... I think it's so frustrating for us to hear like what took so long for the government, for anyone, the authorities to do something. Yeah, this why no. I, I immediately go into policies huh? yes, because please. I feel very passionate. Number one, look at the level of awareness and education of our police force when it comes to gender sensitive issues, even gender sensitive training. Not just that, look at the number of women who are placed in that task force to deal with these issues. It's severely limited. It's very hard for me to just point the blame. Ah, everything's for the police. They require resources, training, mm-hmm. and upskilling. I think government must provide that. That's one. Two, the fact that it took so long clearly shows a breakdown in the system. It makes completely no sense whatsoever. I mean, I can tell you if if a pub, if a son or daughter of a public figure immediately oh, that's report, a different oh, story. Tomorrow, that's a different story. Tomorrow, done, put into yeah. a lockup immediately, even before the charge, already put into jail. For real. The fact that, and it's so well documented. So, you know, if it's hearsay, just word of mouth, huh? very hard. Even the police like, how, huh? do you have any proof? This is like documented. Like, She's got the proven evidence. Yeah, and, very, and time, friends, witnesses, documentary evidence, photos, videos, name it. I mean, I, I yeah. saw it, someone sent it to me as well. So immediately after that, I obviously uh, uh, sent it forward. I think the police responded as well. A few MPs right. and parties spoke up about it as well. But not everyone can get MPs, ministers, or, I mean, parties to speak up. So can you imagine about the thousands of others who are suffering in silence? Yeah. I'm more worried about that. Uh, so that's why to me, it's a lot more about policy changes, yeah. as I shared. So I think the police, ma- the police must be responsible, must take action, but federal government must equip uh, the police, especially when it comes to having more gender-sensitive training and above and beyond that, quicker response time, more women task to the task force to deal with because there's actually a special task force for this. Um, and it's quite frustrating if this recurs again. It looks very bad on Malaysia as well. So bad. I don't know if you heard about this other case. Um, her name is Emily Poon. She's a local DJ as well, Chinese-speaking okay. uh, DJ. She went home one day and she found a man in her house. And apparently that man has been secretly going into her house when she's not around. She's a radio DJ, so her timing oh is very fixed. God. Okay. And do you know what happened when she told the management? Yeah. Because you look pretty. Oh, that is clearly victim blaming. Yeah. That is clearly so victim blaming. So not just the system in in, yeah, in there, the but like the society itself. Yeah. There's so much what we need to do. But I yeah, mean, that's scary. Like when I heard that story, I, I, I was scared. Like I had to make sure my doors are locked and I can't, I don't yeah. feel safe even in my own home. That's, um, first that's clearly a crime. I mean, whoever puts the blame on the lady is something's wrong with you. Um, that's clearly a crime. Yes. <laughs> but secondarily, society, victim blaming by saying, oh, it's how you wear, how you look, that makes it worse. Absolutely. I mean, there's no justification 
to sexual assault, etc. Oh, because oh, you dress that way, you you had it coming. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I think so. So I think as um, vocal members of society, we need to fight that rhetoric and that narrative um, to show that there should be a no tolerance attitude uh, to think things like this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I really do sincerely hope that more more change can be done yep. fast because like you said, sometimes we report police pun tak papa that happens. It takes so long for them to take action. Yep. And to the point where we just kind of give up making any report, yep. really. I mean, I've been assaulted before, but yep. police is not the first person I seek yep. because I don't feel safe even with them. Yep. Uh, I've been kind of catcalled by them as well sometimes mm. because a lone lady, Ooh. you know, I got, yeah, 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 by I'm the really policeman. I'm really sorry to hear that. And sometimes there's one time, just my personal experience, mm. um, no offense, like I respect all religion, but because yeah. they were having their prayers and yeah. after that they were having dinner, they said, I just did my prayer. Um, I wanted to have dinner now. You wait for me. Mm. I had to wait till they were done. The mm. police officers, then only- When I you were at the police station? Yeah. I have to wait until they have their ikan, their whatever. So then they are okay to take my report. I was in, I was in a car accident. That's either. So like you said, there's so much work that needs to be done. And, and, and that's wrong. As a viewer, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Either way, the place must be staffed all the time to take in complaints. So but, it's either I mean, severe, <laughs> severe understaffing or just a, a breach in discipline. Yeah. Either way, it reflects badly on, on Sadly, Malaysia. right? Sadly. Yeah. Um, anyway, another thing that I do want to talk about really is with all that said, especially amongst, amongst youth, the talk of mental health is rising. I think Very. we are a lot more aware now than ever compared to the previous generations. Yeah. Yet, we still don't see enough support when it comes to mental health resources. Um, and also, it almost feels like therapy is only something that rich people can afford mm. because it's not cheap. I go to All therapy right. myself and I could only mm. finally afford it when I was like, say, 25. Yeah. Um, it's not cheap. Yeah. And there's no better or more affordable... Um, resources for people who maybe cannot afford private institutions. Yeah. So what can be done? Or what is already been done? I think first thing first, I think we need to break the taboo on talking about mental health so that society changes and society will be able to pressure government to allocate more resources and for private sector to be more responsive uh, to mental health issues. Because at the moment, I think there's still a general misperception that you're just not strong enough. You just have to toughen up that yeah. this is just made up in your mind. Yeah. Uh, this is your way to excuse yourself from classes or from work to get free MC. I think Chris, you all know the, the tyranny of, 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 of uh, questions before, yeah. oh, finally people acknowledge this is an actual issue. So that's one. Why I say that matters because that's where you impact policymaking. Second mm. part behind it as well, in Malaysia, you are absolutely right when you say there's not enough safety net when it comes to dealing with mental health issues. The yeah. numbers of psychologists and psychiatrists to Malaysia benchmark to amount of population. I think we're like lacking by 10 to 1. There we go. We are like so far behind. <laughs> and that's why, I mean, I've had people come to me in my constituents saying that, okay, they have genuine mental health issues. They suffer from serious chronic depression. Obviously, they can't go to, to, to private hospitals. They have no money. They come from low middle income families. So they go to hospitals. Hospitals have it. But the queue is unbelievably long. Some have to wait for months. Oh, wow. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, yeah. I think to some extent, a lot of us would have gone through some level, if not depression, anxiety. Yeah. You have to wait for months. By then, la. it will already be too late. Yeah. Right? It'll be chronic. So, it's very worrying. So, to me, second part obviously requires state intervention and funding. Right? So, society and the state intervention and funding, public healthcare must be better equipped 
to deal with mental health issues. Do not see it as a secondary or tertiary issue. It is a serious issue. That second. Third, I think private sector. I mean, even if you look at insurance coverage today, a lot of it doesn't cover mental health. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So it covers other kinds of... Uh, it's frustrating to yeah. actually. It, it is frustrating yeah. because to them, it's still not like the priority. Government must streamline. Insurance today must have coverage for mental health. Some already do. So Price it has to come from the expensive. government. So if the government say must cover, means they have yes, to cover? Yes, government can create a law. Ah. Yeah. So the point is to compel insurance uh, or insurers um, the responsibility to cover mental health. I do it. It will be the people who will be paying. But if all of them do not want to move mm. or only one or two move and become super expensive, it yeah. is not accessible to the masses. Right. So I okay. think it's a combination. And obviously, private sector is not just the insurers, bosses, family members, yeah. teachers. I mean, these are all support systems who should help not pin them and push them down even more. Yeah. Okay, we are down to the last few questions of the episode. I, I, I try to cover as much as I can because, you know, it's not every day I get, get you on the show. I appreciate it. And if you guys know, I always ask um, my guests three questions before yeah. we go. The first question is, what are you currently head over heels for? Head over heels. Oh. <laughs> not, not the best of, uh, but unfortunately in the state elections. Because it's very stressful, but I have to be head over heels over it for the next one month. All the best. We okay. wish you luck. Yeah. Uh, second question. The best or worst advice you've ever received? Best advice? Um, do something which you feel excited when you wake up every day. That's like following the heart, which I agree 110% because you will go through hell in that career path. But if it excites you to wake up every morning, you know in the right field. Yeah. Uh, worst advice oh my god this, this, this is recent oh um, yeah tell me again some may view it as something good but not for I you I don't yeah okay. uh, it's that never mind wait lah you just have to you just have to survive now to live another day so just keep quiet anything wrong just keep quiet just just shut it in you know it's okay forget your idealism just shut it in uh, to survive another day I'm like no there's something wrong you speak up because surviving another day, if it means sacrificing my principles and abandoning who I am, that's to me dying just in different ways. I uh, hear you. That one, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Three words or sentences to describe your life right now. Chaotic. That's number one. Because <laughs> yes. like, watching for the next one month. Uh, chaotic. Second. Innovative. I'm trying so many new things now. Yeah. No matter how risky and dangerous it may get. Mm-hmm. Uh, three word one last word oh I'm trying to be a lot more structured are you not structured enough? not enough I'm very OCD <laughs> like when I say structure like even even to an people will laugh but it's okay even to an extent now I've been listening to a lot of podcasts so I can make my my scheduling much better so now like my toilet time, <laughs> like my, no, no, I'm joking. Even, even like how do, cause I'm losing a lot of time. Cause I have to do so many things. Yes, yes. So like, I always have my weekly economy. So tough. So now I have to like only rely on audio. So I, I listen to audio in the toilet or when I'm at the gym, instead of listening to music. So I'm really like auditing my, my daily life. schedule. So where wow. I can cut, cut. So to me, I want to be a lot more organized and scheduled so that everything is well planned. Yeah. And I know when I close my eyes at night, I'm productive and when I wake up, I know 
You know, I do the same thing. I listen to podcasts when I shower, when I, that's the best. You know, do the business in the toilet and all that stuff. Instead of reading, reading takes up time. I can't do anything else. So I and reading, you start read and then suddenly open TikTok and it becomes one hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll fall asleep or something. Um. Well, I think it's been such an insightful session with you. I've learned so much. Thank you, Maggie. When it comes to policy, your values, and everything. Wow. I think I have so much to digest. I have to re-listen to this episode. But before you go, is there anything else you want to share that I didn't manage to touch on, but you feel like when you came on the show, you wanted to say? Yeah. Uh, just one very simple message. Uh, I hope to those who are listening to this podcast, me and Maggie, um, regardless of who you are, where you are at, and whichever field you pick, I hope that you will continue to invest in Malaysia's future. You may be a doctor, that means servicing the underprivileged. Uh, you may be a businessman, it means finding opportunities for Malaysia. You may be a teacher, it means dedicating your life to public service. But in the end, I think the message for Malaysia to be a developed country is one in which we are reliant or interdependent or intertwined with one another. That when we succeed, we succeed together. When we fail, we fail together. I think that ultimate spirit of nation building should be ingrained early so that wherever we are at or whoever we are, we are Malaysians first and we are set to make this country a great country. Well... Thank you so much, Sadiq. It's been a pleasure and so nice to meet you in person. It's a pleasure. You're Thank so you chill. Very much. I love it. Like, you look more chill in person. On, on, on Instagram, you're like more like politician. Really? Lah. Yeah, lah. I don't know. I mean, okay. I love it. Anyway, <laughs> um, with that, like I always say, don't forget to fall head over heels for yourself first and always, but in this case, in Malaysia too. We'll see you guys next time and don't forget to vote. Bye. I know what it feels like going to the gym and feel completely clueless and intimidated. I was once there. That's why I started Motion Lab. We're a fitness studio that focuses on small group classes and personal training. Our goal is simple, to help you move better so you can live better. Start your first class for only 49 ringgit today. For more info, go to www.motionlab.live or check us out on IG at MotionLabMY. It's MotionLabMY.